Hey. Wonderful things are happening. Even though a 17-year-old is upset with his pastor because didn't give him a, a, a soft drink, <laughs> he'll live. Um, I want to talk to you all about some things that's going on real quick before we go to the Lord in prayer. I, again, the Valdez family tragic that took place in the Gulf of Mexico right right out from Cedar Keys this past weekend with the boat capsizing family members missing. They're, I just got an update that the family went to uh, Cedar Keys to, to get an update from the Fish and Wildlife um, to see if they found this body. Horrific situation. We thank God that in most purposes, I mean, situations like this, all occupants are lost. One of the three was lost. What was his name? Teacher last year's brother. And so um, I did try to visit with the family yesterday. I got a chance to pray with uh, the victim's wife and daughters yesterday. And um, just, just sad, just sad. The good news is he was saved. He loved Lord Jesus. He's, um, he's with the Father. And never suffer again, never. One of the good news that we look at today I want to share something with you from a biblical point of view. In Matthew chapter 28, the women go to the tomb early that morning before the break of day. This, just a couple of days ago, the Holy Spirit revealed something to me about that that I've never seen before. And I want to share it with you all before we go into regular Bible study today. In prayer. Oh, also, um, brother and sister, brother May and sister Vicky is not here today because Emily supposed to be arriving to their house around 7:30, and they wanted to be here when she arrived from Tennessee. Their other daughter. What a blessed service Sunday! If you all was watching very carefully and very closely, you would have seen the operating gifts of the Spirit. Something may have seemed like a mystery to you, but the Holy Spirit was absolutely working. And he, he broke some chains. He, he, he lifted some burdens. He drove some demons out too. Some uh, powerful demons that had strongholds in that church for a long time. And there was nothing I did Nothing anybody did. This was all the work of God. Okay? And we're just having to be blessed by Lord Jesus to be a part of it. Amen. And the Spirit impressed upon my heart to have those two deacons go and hold their pastor's arms up. Because the more Pastor Kyle was praising the Lord, more demons were leaving. Strongholds were being broken. And I told him, I said, go and do what the two men did with Moses. Hold your pastor's arms up. Because he's, he's in spiritual war. The more he praised God, 
the more Lord Jesus poured out the victory. And I can sense a yes, giving God the glory. And I <laughs> glory to God. I mean, it's happening again, Shelly. Um, and, and I tell you, that's what we needed. And it was the power of the Spirit, the presence of God, that touched Mitchell's heart. And it convicted him of sin. And when Brother Miller came and asked me, what he said to me, he said, Mitchell wants to be saved. <laughs> I mean, to God be the glory. Because the person I was praying for, I can sense the presence of the demonic spirit. And that man was Belinda's uncle. Mm-hmm. And I sense stronghold, I mean, demons being driven away. When he came over and, and, and told that to me, and then a, a couple of others, Deacon, sensed it. And, and what we have to remember, the more we give God the glory, the more we praise God, Miss Marie, and magnify Lord Jesus, the more the gates of hell get out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what was happening, the more we praise God, for all of a sudden folks started doing what? Standing up doing what? Praising, shouting out to God. Screaming out to God, glorifying Lord Jesus. And that's when you know the worship service is authentic. People didn't come to be seen. People didn't come to be heard. It may have at the beginning, I don't know. But what I do know, when the Holy Spirit began to move, He swept through that place. He swept through that place. And that's what I've been telling you all, all along. Wait till you get in a service like that. Wait till you witness that. Can we, can we invite them here? Oh, sure. Of course. Let's invite them here. We, we will. Pastor Kyle and I are talking. But there's some things that has to be done there first. That house has to be dealt well. God is dealing with that house right now. And so you all got a chance from the glory of God to witness the operation of the Holy Spirit in a worship service. And that's what I want you all, I've been praying for that you to see, and then not only to witness it, but to get involved. Because I seen Deacon, I seen Deacon get happy in that service. Yeah. I seen Deacon clapping his hand and shouting hallelujah and all. Yeah. He came out of that reserve mode. Okay? And, and, and my mother-in-law, mm-hmm. Mama, I mean, she jumped up and just, uh, hallelujah. I, I mean, they just, them sisters was up and praising. And that's what we wanted. We wanted the presence of the Lord to be in that place. I've seen it as a pastor before, many times in worship services. And that's what I want you all, when you come here, listen, do what those brothers and sisters did. Don't be bashful. When the Spirit is moving, jump on your feet and begin to glorify God. Give Him everything you got. And you'll see the Spirit begin to do what? Move. 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 Powerfully among us to the glory of Christ. Um, the other thing that I want to just tell you all, 
be encouraged. We had a house full of children today, even though half of them was our own. Mm -hmm. We still had other babies come in here today. And we're going back to, yeah, and we're going back to the basics. We're going back to what this is supposed to be all about. The foundational is Jesus, giving Jesus to children. And the Spirit convicted me. I had to go back to being the primary teacher because that's what he called me to do. And to sit them, we had a wonderful little Bible study today. I mean, it was awesome. Yesterday it was awesome. And uh, that's, that's what he called me to do. And, and, and Dick doesn't realize it, but a while back, God used him to reprimand me. He don't realize how that pierced my heart that day. He said, Pastor Sammy, I don't want us to forget what our first calling is, children. And I look back, and he didn't realize for the next couple of weeks after that, 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 that stunned me. And I said, Lord, we had gotten away. We had gotten so busy that none of the adults were sitting the kids down doing Bible study with them. We were basically letting them have their way, and we had gotten away from what we were here for. And I, I, I'm so sorry to have allowed that to happen because as the pastor, my responsibility is to protect the flock. And protecting the flock is making sure the flock is being fed, fed spiritually. Not, not, the, not with all those freezers in the back, but the word of God. And so we, I would never let that happen again. Never. I don't care how big we get, Jesus is first. Okay, how fancy we become. Boy, Jesus is first, or we are not going to exist. Not going to exist. Um, Maurice's hearing is Thursday. Um, I'm praying for the presence of the Lord. Amen. In that place. Amen. The Holy Ghost, one of the names that Jesus our Lord told us he is, he's our advocate. What is advocate? Just a fancy name for lawyer. Okay? Fancy name for lawyer. So he's going to have to take this case and take it not before the judge of man, but before the judge of heaven. And plead Maurice's case. That's what we're praying for. Okay? Um, what else? Summer feeding is coming up. We need to be in prayer for that. I'm thinking of things now. I'm going to sit down and lay out a calendar of what we want to do. And then as much as possible, we need to stick to it. Pray for it because unlike the last three years, we need to show these children the face of Jesus in ways that they've never seen them. We, we need, to, need to bring the heart of Jesus back in the children. That's what we need to do here. How that's going to look, I don't know yet. We've got a few days to put it together. But I do know Jesus must be centered.
Okay. Um, that's about it. Arve, did you let it go? By the, is he sleeping? Yep. He lost it. Matthew, wake up. I've been up a lot longer than you have. Arve, can you go on the third column from the left to the right will be the third. Yep. Can you go where it says 2 Corinthians? Can you put up there Matthew for me? Slow down. You was on it and let it slip. Click. Chapter 28. No, no, go where the one is. Go where the one is. Go all the way down. I'm going to do this as a prelude to prayer. Is it possible, Miss Murray, do you need the light on the read? No, that's all right. I, I'll watch the screen, but I can't see the screen either. <laughs> but I can see my part. Okay, I don't want to make things difficult for you. So I'll, I'll just... I want, I want you to be able to see. I want to point something out to you. It says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. So, so far we know it's two women, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, Mary, it's, it's super early in the morning, put it that way. And behold, there was a great earthquake. So, the earthquake happened for their observance. Okay? For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. Uh, what I didn't know before, these women watched this happen. They observed. They felt the earthquake. Then they saw the angels appear just like that. And they saw their brightness. They saw the radiance of their clothing. And they saw fear take hold of these guards. Now, keep in mind... In chapter 27, the high priest had gone to Pilate and asked him to place soldiers on the tomb. So these were Roman soldiers who took their responsibility very, very serious. Okay? Set up our basic to learn. Watch the text. But the angel answered and said to the women, why did he have to answer? And the angel answered as if he was asked a question. Another account says it was actually two angels. Okay? So, 
One is, is sitting on the top of the sepulcher, the tomb. Okay? I'm thinking Hebrew is kever, K-E-V-E-R. So he's sitting on top of it, right? But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he is risen, as he has said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. So the angel invited them to come into the tomb, because he was already gone. He rolled back the tomb just so, the stone so that they can come in and see that he wasn't there. He had already left sometime during the night. Okay? Verse 7, go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he's going before you into Galilee. There you will see him, behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb in fear with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, rejoice. That is also written differently in the, in the Hebrew. Okay? What's the difference? The difference is he told them, let their hearts be filled or their soul be filled with joy. Okay? Now, however, when this is the part that's different, can you put verse 9 to the top? Thank you. All right. All the teachings that I've had has said that Mary Magdalene reached down and grabbed the Lord and clinged to him. Look at the text very carefully in verse 9. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. So they came and so they mean those more than what? So the two women they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. So it wasn't just Mary Magdalene that clinged to him. Who else clinged to him? The mother. The other Mary. <laughs> now, in the Hebrew, it says, and they lay prostrate before him and grabbed his feet and worshiped him. Do you see the difference? We were taught over the years that it was Mary came and she knelt and she grabbed the master by his feet and clinged to him. This tells you that both of those women saw him and they laid, according to the Hebrew, and I checked out two different Hebrew versions, and they both said that these women laid prostrate before him and worshipped him as they grabbed his feet. That's huge. Why is that huge? Why is it important for you and I to know?
Because they saw him someone greater than he was before he went to the tomb. This time. It was the man. <laughs> he was still Jesus before we went to the cross. Still the son of God. But this time. There was a difference in the attitude of worship or who he is. Who is it that they're supposed to worship and worship him only? God. <coughs> Would a Jew bow down to a man? <coughs> no. These women bowed down, not bowed down, but prostrated themselves, laid down. Now, the other scenario, let's look at it. Let's look at it. Let me jump on down. Verse 16. Then the 11, put 16 to the top, please. <coughs> then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain in which Jesus had appointed for them. Meaning... He must have told them before the crucifixion that when I come back, you're to meet me here. Got that? So they supposed to have been expecting his what? Return. His return. Because he had pre-designated the spot where they're supposed to meet him. Yes. Right where you are at the moment he returns. But then verse 17 verifies the action of the women. Here it is. When they saw him, they worshipped him. In the Hebrew, it says, when they saw him, they lay prostrate before him and worshipped him. I don't know of any cases before his death that the disciples actually laid before him like was this. That, that had to be like the next day or a couple of days later? Yeah, because it's at least two or three days walk to Galilee. Well, weren't he, if he was a human, he would have stunk a dead person. He was still human in human form. Because <coughs> remember, he came back out of the tomb as he went into it in human form. 
Because he appeared to the disciples and even told them when they thought they were seeing a ghost, he said, bring me something to eat. And he said, does a does spirit eat? So he was in just much what? Flesh. Okay. So these 11 men or yeah, did what? The same thing the two women did. They laid down before him and worshiped him. Remember, Arve, go back to chapter four of the same book. I want to show you something. Verse 8, put verse 8 to the top. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain, just during the temptation period, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Okay? What was Satan setting up? He was setting up a similar scenario that what happens to God. He was trying to put himself in the same position as God. So he said, fall down before me and worship me. Otherwise, prostrate yourself and worship me like you do him. Look what happens. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. In other words, you're to fall down before God only and worship him. So what were the women doing? And what did the 11 do? I didn't notice this until the Spirit pointed it out to me the other morning. I go, Lord, all these years. Wow. It's not how much word you can memorize and quote and what the Holy Spirit teaches you about the Word. That's when you know you're learning. So, it's awesome. Shall that, that gives more credence to what Lord Jesus was saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except um, yeah, through me or by me. The word dia there can be translated either way. And you can't get to God if Jesus is the absolute way because he is God.
how are you going to change it? How are you going to change this scenario to fit your way? When he says, do you really know who I am? And that's why John wrote, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And now they're behaving as he is God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's awesome. <laughs> so when I saw that, Shelly, sitting in the, in the little woman cave, I guess you said, in a woman cave, I'm sitting and I got, I pulled out, I had my tablet. Now, put the Orthodox Jewish Bible there, and then there's another Jewish Bible. I looked at that one, and I'm going forth in the King James Version, New King James, and I'm looking, and I'm looking, and, and I'm going, wow. Goes your way. All right. With that said, let's go before the Lord in prayer. That's a lot to pray for today. A lot on the plate. A lot. You don't have to shake it. Uh, we'll come punch it back in. Any prayer requests, by the way? Yeah. Like Lorraine. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes, sir. Amari's. Absolutely. Skylar Matthew. Skylar Matthew? Okay. And for... Maurice, that he gets out Thursday. Okay. All right. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now in the blessed name of your son, Jesus. Lord God, you are God and God alone. There is no other God. I don't care what people say. You, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob is the only true God. And you're our God. You blessed us to invite us into the family of God by your son, Jesus, by your shed blood, Lord Jesus. You brought us into the family of God. And you're the, absolutely the only way in which men can be saved, the only way in which men have access to the Father because you are the Father. <laughs> And how this works out, Lord, it's a mystery to us. We don't fully understand it. And in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Meaning, Jesus, you are God. I care what arguments they use against that. I don't care. We don't care. But what we do know, Lord, that you are worthy of praise, you're worthy of worship, and it all belongs to you. And those women that day realize who you really are. And those men realize who you are. And they gave you the glory that you deserve, the honor and the respect that you deserve. And so tonight, Lord, we want to give you that same honor. We also ask you, Lord Jesus, to forgive us for our sins. We've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've lied, we've cheated, manipulated, and Lord, committed all kinds of sin. And Lord, we're guilty before you. But we thank you for your blood, your shed blood, Lord Jesus, that washed away our sins. 
and that God your Father raised you from the dead. Lord, I pray now for the Valdez family. Lord, it's a hurting thing when you lose a child, especially when you lose that child tragically. Lord, we're praying now that you help them recover their loved one's body. Bring them home for proper burial. And Lord, we also are praying for healing of the two men, the other brother and the other brother in Christ that witnessed this, that was a part of that, and that you, by your grace, spared them. But the memory of this loss will be forever etched in their minds. And I'm praying for healing for those men. Your sons, Lord Jesus, they need your healing. And I'm praying for their families who are hurting also deeply. And Lord, we're praying for the men and women that's out working that case. It bears on their souls too. And Father, today we're praying for your daughter Lorraine that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven for her life. 82 years, Lord, that's four score. What a blessing. What a blessing. And we're asking you now, Father, let your will to be done. And Father, we're praying for Maurice. This is a young man that's been struggling, Lord, for four years now. Four years, Lord Jesus, with this situation. And I'm praying, Lord, that you would set him free of it Thursday. Let it all be put behind him. In Jesus' name, praying for Scholar and Matthew. God, you know the truth. They know the truth. And I'm praying, Jesus, that your truth be revealed through them. It's the only way any of us are set free. You say we will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. And Father, for this Bible study, the revelation knowledge that you've already given, we're praying, Lord, increase your wisdom and your knowledge and understanding in us by your Spirit. And Lord Jesus, for the families around the world, we're praying for them right now. We're praying, Lord Jesus, that they will submit to you, submit to God, Resist the devil and he will flee. I know that's a, it may seem like a hypocritical message on my part, Lord, but your word is true. And it goes for me too. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from me. And Lord, what a blessed service you did, a blessed work you did in the midst of your children at Mount Olive. Lord God, you showed up. You presented yourself awesome, like you always do. 
And Lord Jesus, you are magnified. And strongholds were uprooted. And we're praying, Lord, that you continue to do that. I pray for the healing of my father-in-law. He'll soon be 82 years old also. And we're praying that your will be done in his life as well. And Father, Mr. David, now in his 70s, we're praying for him too, Lord Jesus. Strengthen him, O oh God. And Miss Marie, come on courage today, Lord. Come on courage. And for Cheryl and Clinton, there are new stressors in their lives now. Clinton having to make a major decision here in the next couple of days. It's going to affect his entire family. And I'm praying, Lord, that you will give him wisdom to do that. Because, Lord, without your wisdom, what do we have? We don't have your word. The word must more be more to us than just the word. It must be action from you. And we must believe to see those actions. And Lord, for the refrigerator truck, we're asking that you touch the hearts of some, some businessmen and give us favor in their sight to do this. And for a new building, Lord, I, I ran into the owner of that other building today over by the ball field. And he said for us to just give him a call to show the building. Well, we need... We need heaven to open for us, Lord. We don't have any money, Lord God. We got a few hundred dollars in the bank. But the earth is yours and the fullness thereof. All the gold, all the silver, all the rubies and diamonds and pearls, all the precious metals, all the precious wood, everything, Lord God, all the wealth and riches in the universe, they belong to you. You just let man use them for trade. But they're yours, oh God. And we're asking, Father, that you give us favor in somebody's eyes that will write a check, Lord. Because you got sons and daughters out there that have the money, that's willing to do it, that's just looking for a place to invest their money into your kingdom. And I pray that Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, will lead them here soon. And they will do that. Now, Lord, oh, our God, we pray for Hot Springs, Fort White Lake City, and the surrounding communities, a lot to and all. So many people need to know you, Jesus. I pray for Mike and Earl. Lord, they're struggling with their walk with you. Young men can't seem to get rooted and grounded in you, Lord Jesus, for the cares of this world. And I pray, Father, that you will anchor them in you. In Jesus' name, we're praying for Brandy, Lord. Brand new daughter. Not yet quite how to live, know how to live the Christian life. And I pray, Father, that you slow all of us down so that we can teach her. Teach her your word, your ways. Not only by the living word of God, the Bible, but Lord Jesus, by the way that we live too. And Lord, for Mitchell, your brand new son. What a blessing. What, what an answer to prayer. Your daughter Crystal is just still rejoicing. What a joy it is. When you know your entire family is going to heaven to be with Jesus. What a blessing.
and Lord, for Zora and Marquise, who's getting ready to matriculate to Mobile, Alabama, to the University of Mobile. Both of them, first time away from home, first time college students in a full-time classroom. Need your help to make that transition and also to help their parents to give up that freedom and allow this young man and this young woman to mature into mature Christian children of Christ. Young adults and young young adults in Christ. Have your way, Lord. And we're asking now, Lord, touch Belinda. She seemed to be carrying everybody's burden. Lord Jesus, will you lift those burdens from her? Will you put your yoke on her? Would you say your burden is light and your yoke is easy? Will you do that for your daughter now? Father, will you do that for Shelly? Carrying such a heavy load to be so young. Will you do that, Lord? The children need you. Miss Marie, Lord, we need you. All of us, God. I need you. I can't govern your people. I can't lead them. I can't shepherd them, Lord Jesus, like you can. But with your help, Lord, I can do it. Bring in more workers, Jesus. You're the Lord of the harvest. Bring in workers that has wisdom and knowledge and the know-how to come and help us. And I pray for Montana and Danielle. Lord, touch them. They're searching. They don't know quite sure where to begin. I offer to disciple them so that Danielle can get to know you, Lord Jesus, and Montana will trust you and walk with you. And I pray for the salvation of Brandy too. I mean, Brittany. And Lord, that you will move upon her heart. And Father, for Chrissy, she's struggling, Lord Jesus. And you know where her struggle, her struggle lies. And I pray, Lord, that you will bring deliverance there. Bring deliverance and bring a fresh anointing upon our life. And Lord, send more young people in more teenagers, more young adults that love you, and also who can sing and help Shelly out and play instruments, horns and guitars and drums and the works, Lord, for your glory. It's during the days of Jehoshaphat, appointed singers and all. David told him to appoint singers and musicians. Let them go before the Lord and play melodies unto God. That's what we want here, Lord Jesus. You haven't changed your mind about those things. And so we're asking you, Lord, I pray for Helder that came in today that you would touch her young heart. Turn her back to you, Jesus. Turn her back to you. And for a mom, will you bring her out of that sin that she's living in? My God, will you help her? Deliver her today from those spirits. Bring deliverance, Jesus. Bring deliverance, Lord Jesus. Bring deliverance, Lord Jesus. 
Someone else is struggling with those kinds of spirits. Touch them too, Lord. Touch them, Jesus, by your blood, delivering them from those kinds of spirits. Now, homosexual spirits, that's what they are, lesbian spirits. Change them, oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Holy Spirit, teach us now what Paul was saying to the church in Corinth. And let us see you mightily in the scriptures. It's in your name we pray. Come on, Holy Ghost. Teach us now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, Shelly, come on up and help me teach. Oh. Um. <laughs> Sit down, child. I was with you. Okay. Paul in his second letter. Yeah. Mama's cold. Go do it. Um. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, all the way across the board, please, RV. 2 Corinthians, so that means the third column, put it on 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's go on down. Bring up verse 13. Reconcile. Thank you. And Paul was using Moses as an example how Moses had to wear a veil upon his face because the glory of God that was upon Moses was fading away, which represented the glory of the law. It was going to lose its impact. And so people was going to go and they were going to live the way they want to. And Paul is saying, well, even though during the days of Moses, the law had a great impact when it was first given. Did it not? And shortly thereafter, it still had a great impact. But then after a while, Israel, they forgot about the first commandment. Hail Israel, for the Lord our God is one, and you're to love the Lord your God with all your hearts and all your soul and all your strength, right? But God says that I'm the only God, because there is no other God besides me, and you're not to worship another God. Before, because I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Right. Okay? Mm -hmm. yeah. And that they weren't making any graven images of anything in heaven or in the, on earth or in the water below. And I bow down and worship them. And of course, after a while, what did Israel do once the, the second generation that had seen God in the wilderness? After those had died off, what did they do? Whatever they wanted. Whatever they wanted. The book of Judges tells us that. For 300 years, there is the, the, the book of Judges, the period of Israel. So they did whatever they wanted. And then God would turn them over in the hands of their enemies. And whenever they cried to God, God would come and deliver them. So it was this, this corny effect, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. God will have to send a judge. Whenever the judge was leading the people, the people did what was right. When the judge died, the people did what? They played the harlot with other gods. Even to the point that they began to do human sacrifice to these gods. 
Molech began to preach the baby through the fire. Sacrifice the baby. Okay? And whatever else they felt like, temple prostitutes, they brought in whores in the temple. Having sex, having orgies in the temple. Getting on the top of the temple, the roof of the temple, offering up worship to false gods. Look at the days of Ezekiel. God showed him in the spirit. The Holy Ghost took him up back to Jerusalem. He said, look, son of man, look, look, look what the children of Israel are doing. And so, still, all of their wrongdoing, the law was still in place. And the law was still saying that Israel needed to be saved. And that God needed to send a savior. And in the word, God promised that he was going to send the Messiah. God promised. When the Messiah came, not that he showed up, it was appointed. Paul said, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. In other words, God's perfect timing. Not too late, not too early. God knew exactly what generation to bring Lord Jesus here. Put him in there. Raise him up as one of us. And that always blows my mind. God came to be a man. Lived among us. In the poorest human condition. He lived in one of the poorest families in Israel. Worked hard with his hands to make a living. And then, at God's leading, he goes out, get baptized. Spirit of the Lord come down upon him. God speaks about him. Gives a testimony in front of men. This is my beloved son, whom I'm well, you know, I'm well what? Please. Did you know that was prophesied about? I think that that had something to do with the fact that humans learn by example. I'm you know? sure, you know what? Uh, Shelly does a lot of value to what you just said. Because mm -hmm. Lord Jesus, when you read over in Hebrews, it said Jesus was tempted in every way, yet without what? Sin. So he modeled out for us how we're supposed to live before God, his Father, and before him. Jesus is the epitome of holiness. And so, did Israel get any better? No. Because up to this point, Lord Jesus hadn't died. Something had to happen. It had to be something greater in place than the law that convicted them of sin. Had to be something greater than the sacrifices. Because even though the high priest would go in once a year and offer these sacrifices for the sin of the people, people's conscience didn't change. People's minds didn't change. People still continued to do whatever they wanted to do. And during Yom Kippur, uh, which is the, the, the day of atonement, when the high priest went in and offered the blood, it did change their mind. The high priest went in and offered blood sacrifice. For his sins and sins of the people. Then call them to change their hearts. Okay? And so, something greater had to happen to the human race, Shelley. And that greater thing was Jesus. The law was fading. It was losing its power. Because at the beginning of Romans chapter 8, Paul described by the Holy Ghost, he said, what the law could not do, other words, could not change men's conscience, 
And even in Hebrews, it says in chapter 9, he said, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of human flesh. So as he came as a man, flesh, sinful flesh, he said he condemned sin in the flesh. Oh, well, you're sinners, and I'm condemning, I'm judging this thing right now. He nailed sin to the cross with him. Bam! And washed away our sins in his own blood. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. And so, and, and, and all those that believe in him, the law could not go into a man's conscience and change. The Spirit of God did. The Spirit of Christ does. Because when you and I got saved, the Holy Ghost revealed to us by the word that we were sinners and we were going to have to pay a price to God. That's called eternal separation in the lake of fire, eternal punishment. But Jesus came and took that sin, that punishment for us. God placed our sins upon him. And therefore, we don't have to stand before God and experience the wrath of God for eternity. So the glory of Christ came, salvation, brought salvation. And it's a glory that gets brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. Never fades away. Never fades away. It gets more and more powerful. The more you and I reveal this to people, the more they should want to cling on to Jesus. The more we should search him out. Just like sitting there, reading the Bible. And what does the Spirit do to me? Boom. He shows me things that I didn't know. And I had been reading it all along for 30-some years. Okay? About Mary Magdalene and about the disciples, how they approached Jesus. That was huge. Because they didn't see him any longer like they saw him before he went to the cross. This time it was different. His resurrection made all the world a difference. This time. Hello, Brother Pete. All right. Hey, baby girl. Good to see you up and walking. Hey, sis. Love you all. And so, this is huge. Huge. So Paul is he's describing this now. The law, losing its power or its glory. Fading away. Jesus, gaining power. Gaining volumes. Okay, momentum. Changing people's lives. And he's still doing it. Although in our country, it may appear to seem like it's slowed down, almost coming to a standstill, right? Did you know in other countries, the Holy Ghost is sweeping people off their feet by the thousands upon thousands. I mean, I'm talking about Harvey in China. Literally, millions are getting saved. In India, millions. The world's two most populated countries. They're getting saved by the millions. And the Lord is doing incredible things. I know you've seen that. And if you remember, I'm going to change it, too. Oh, I've seen it, too. I've seen it, too. Mischievous thing. So, anyway, Lord, forgive us. I was said it was our foolishness. Vietnam. The Holy Ghost is moving mightily in Vietnam. The Philippine government asked a church to go into the schools and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ in the schools to the children. Oh, yeah. The United States 
Get them out of school. There's no place for them in the schools. Get him out of government. There's no place for him in government. Take down his statues. Take his name off of all the currency and off of all the buildings, off of everything. At the Pledge of Allegiance. But when they get in trouble, they all of a sudden can remember him mm-hmm. and know that he is God and able to help them. Yeah. And it's kind of like ancient Israel, isn't it? Until they behinds got in trouble. They didn't want anything to do with the only true and living God. And when he heard their cry, he came to their rescue. And they remember for a while who he is. Then all of a sudden when things got better, they started drifting away, drifting away. So Paul is making this analogy here. Are y'all seeing this now? He's making this analogy. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadfastly, uh, steadily at the end of what was passing away, the glory of the law. But their minds were blinded. Shelley, in 2016, in the United States of America, mm-hmm. once the most powerful nation on earth, once sent out the most missionaries to any other country, than other, you name it, printed more Bibles, have more Christian schools, have more churches, is now being blinded. Mm-hmm. Okay? Israel, ancient Israel, saw the powerful workings of God on, on their enemies. They witnessed it. They watched the walls of Jericho fall down. They watched the parting of the Red Sea. They watched the defeat of King Og. Okay? They watched God kill a giant by the hands of a teenager. They watched God do one miracle after the other in their presence. So are we. You got it, because that's exactly where the Holy Ghost is going with it. And so are we. God has brought us so far. What it was just in the news recently? A man, a young man in his prime, a father, died. 45 minutes, his heart stopped. They had pronounced him dead, but his son would not give up. His teenage son stood at the foot of his bed, along with their pastor, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. And after a while, bloop, bloop. Yeah. Yep. What? And it's all over bloop, Facebook. Bloop. It's everywhere. What? There's a heartbeat. Glory to God. Jesus brought him back to life. And they still don't know what caused his heart to stop. Still don't know. It's a trial. 45 minutes, Clinton. Who you know, a man's heart stopped that long. The brain is, for all intents and purposes, dead from the lack of oxygen. No blood. No blood. Mm-hmm. Dead. So here in these United States. Every day. Every day. We've even seen it locally. God working, doing miracles. Melissa Lavendusky, who just moved 
over to the panhandle. Cancer. We prayed for her and the Lord Jesus healed her. Went back. The doctor said, I don't know. We checked to make sure we didn't have your lab reports messed up. We can't find no traces of cancer in your body. And they still haven't. It's been some years. Cancer free. And she was diagnosed with the worst kind of woman cancer. So Paul said, listen, you, you, you all seen this. Our fathers have witnessed this. You Jews have witnessed this. You've had this thing firsthand. So, and now, look what's happening. Verse 14. So, but their minds were blinded, for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, because the veil is taken away in Christ. What just happened? Paul said, all the fulfillment of what was brought forth in the Old Testament. Even when Moses, did you know Moses spoke about Jesus? Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 18 called Jesus the prophet. He said, God will raise up from your brethren a prophet just like me and they will hear him. Wow. And sure enough, because you remember when Jesus took those Jewish men up in a place called Chasm Philippi and he asked them, he said, who do men say that the Son of Man is? And what was one of the first words they said? That prophet. What prophet? The prophet that Moses had spoke about. <laughs> they knew. But then what has happened with Israel? The 12 apostles walk with Lord Jesus. The 120 is evidence that Jesus Christ is real. They saw him ascend back to heaven. They saw his resurrection. They witnessed the filling of the Holy Ghost in their own lives and the movement of the Holy Spirit in their own lives on the day of Pentecost. They watched the Holy Ghost save 3,000 people and 3,000 people were baptized the same day. They witnessed that. They watched the preaching of the gospel where 4,000 were saved, 5,000 were saved, and then innumerable amounts, the scripture said in the book of Acts. They watched God come down with angels and shake dungeons and shake jailhouses and prisons and set the apostles free. They watched this over and over and over again. Now, what's happening with these people? Why all of a sudden, these people who knew the work and power of God in the Old Testament know the power of Jesus who replaced the law? Or not replaced, but at least fulfilled it. They watched and witnessed all of this, and now, where did they go? Why did they turn back from the Son of God? Because you ask the average Jew in Israel, has the Messiah come? No. Wait a minute. Right here in Jerusalem, you killed him. Right here in Jerusalem, he rose from the dead. Right here in Jerusalem, he ascended back to the Father. Right here in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. What do you think the 3,000 got saved at? Right here in Jerusalem, the capital of Israel. 
Right there. So what happened? Why did they stop believing? And the same thing in the United States. When this nation was in its infancy, they believed. In fact, Clinton, you know history pretty good. We talk. You're a pretty sharp guy. On Sundays during the colonial periods, if a person didn't go to church, what happened to them? They got placed in the what? They were arrested and placed in what? In stocks and made a public what? Spectacle. Because they didn't go to church to worship the only true and living God. Now the police won't even look at you. Now you're putting stocks for going. Yeah, it's the opposite. You're, you're ridiculed for going. But glory be to God, I had a police stand right in the intersection right here in our lovely town, High Springs, and praise the Lord with me. For the next 45 minutes, me and that man in the intersection praising God. Good. <laughs> and he says, Samuel, I know God is real, and he lives in me, and I want other people to have him. High Springs police officers. Good. And not just a police officer, he's one of the officers. In other words, he's a sergeant. Good. The lieutenant loves the Lord. And the police chief loves Jesus. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but what's happening overall in these United States? What's wrong? Got to get up and go somewhere? No, I just remembered watching that. So, I don't know what time it is. I don't have a watch. Mr. Gearfit decided to stop working. Huh? Seven what? Seven Okay. We'll cut it off here shortly. I have another prayer request. Okay. Um, so, let me close this out. So Paul said today the Jews still, he was talking about his time, still harden their hearts to Jesus. Even though they read the Old Testament and the Old Testament points to Jesus because they're really, that's the only word there was, was no New Testament. They still harden their hearts and still refuse to see Jesus as the Messiah. God's servant, God's son. Because in Psalms 2, the psalmist comes straight out and says, the Messiah is God's son. That's what David said. Mm -hmm. He's God's son. And uh, But even to this day, when Moses read, a veil lies on their heart. They still refuse to believe. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So they're still able to get saved. The Holy Spirit is still able to penetrate the hardness of that heart, that soul, and remove that veil so they can see the truth. And as Jesus said, the truth shall set them what? <coughs> okay. Let's see what's happening here with this. Hmm. The Spirit is at work then, right? Let's see what Paul says about that. 
Now the Lord is the, verse 17, look at your text. Now the Lord is the, now the Lord is the, do you know what that means? Jesus, the son of the living God, the king of glory, is the spirit of God that goes into men's heart who are blind and gives them sight and frees them. So who's saving people? And Jesus is what? There it is. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's what, Shelley? Freedom. Freedom or liberty. The other word, he set men free from the bondage of sin. Whew. Got a lot of work to do. And that's what you witnessed in that church Sunday, Miss Marie. You saw men being set free. By the spirit of the living God, Jesus Christ himself. You saw one get saved. God took him. Let me tell you what happened to Mitchell. Y'all ready for this? And we'll, we'll close out. Let me finish this one verse and I'll show you what happened to Mitchell. But we all will unveil face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord or being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as the spirit as by the Spirit of the Lord. What does that mean, Shelly? Every day the Holy Spirit, God himself, Jesus himself, is turning you into his likeness. Good. <laughs> You're no longer the same Shelly. Every day God chips away that old Shelly and he presents the new Shelly in the image of his son. Samuel, Marie, Clinton, Schuyler, Arve, Matthew, plug your name in. And that's what's happening. All right, the last thing I want you to find is Colossians. Go up in the third column, young man. You're going to come down, 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 out the Philippians. You're going to find Colossians. Up, 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 up. Read. Don't just scroll. Read. Find chapter 1. Go to verse 13. I'll keep it on 1. Go to verse 13. Bring it on up, 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 up. That's what happened to Mitchell on Sunday. Here's what happened. He delivered him from the kingdom of darkness and conveyed him into the kingdom of light of his son, whom he loves. So Mitchell was pulled out of hand of Satan and placed into the hands of Christ. Jesus. Yes. Hallelujah. Y'all see that there? Oh, yeah. well, <laughs> I tell you, he was gone, wasn't he? He was praising him. But do you know what the word convey means? Changed. Don't they have conveyor belts at Dollar General Warehouse? So conveyors... They conveyor, carry, they move you along. Mm -hmm. So God took and moved Mitchell from one kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, over into the kingdom of what? Light. Of light of his son, whom he loves. Jesus. That's what happened. And y'all didn't even see it happening. We didn't see it with our naked eye. But in the spirit, 
That's exactly what happened. Any questions? The Lord's willing next week. We will be talking in chapter 4. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. And he's getting ready to go into some powerful stuff in chapter 4. Read up on it. Come in ready to learn. Read ahead of the time. Read ahead of the time. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And watch the Holy Ghost take us to a new level. There'll be a change. Yes. Okay? All right. Father, you know every heart. Lord Jesus, we don't know what heart will hear this message. But we do want to tell whoever it is that listen to this message, to these teachings. We don't know what your belief is. If you even believe that there's a God. Or if you do, we don't know what kind of God you believe in. Or even if you believe in salvation. That men's souls have to be saved. But we will share this with you. As we sit here as the body of Christ in High Springs, Florida. There is but one God. Amen. The Lord God. The God of Abraham. The God of Isaac. And the God of Jacob. The one who revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush. In Exodus chapter 3. That same God sent his son, his only begotten son, Jesus. In the Hebrew, it's called Yeshua or Joshua. In Greek, Jesus. In English, Jesus. Sent him into this world. And Jesus, being the loving son of God that he is, showed the world through the nation of Israel the heart of the Father that the world had never seen before. Or shall I say it had been since the day of Adam that God created him. That God loved the world in this manner that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus. That whoever, that means it doesn't matter your background, what family you come from, doesn't matter your economic condition, doesn't matter what kind of fame you have or lack of fame, what neighborhood you grew up in, what church you grew up in, or no church at all, or what God you believe in, God sent his son Jesus for you and for me. It didn't matter what era you was born in. 2,000 years ago, 1,500 years ago, 1,000 years ago, or even yesterday, it hasn't changed. 
And Jesus told you and I, through his talking with that old Jewish rabbi, that Pharisee named Nicodemus, for God loved the world in this manner, and that is the inhabited world, not the physical world, but the inhabited world. That means people. God loved us this way, that he gave, that is a gift. Jesus, the Son of God, is a gift to the world. And in all who believes in him, that means place our trust in him. Not just enough to have knowledge about him, but we got to live for him. That we all lay ourselves down to him, give ourselves up to him. All who believe in God, believe in his son Jesus, and trust in him. That person will not perish on the day of judgment. Amen. There's a universal day coming called the day of the Lord that the prophets of old wrote about, that when all mankind from every walk of life, from every nation, from every tribe, from every people group, will stand before God. And on that day, every tongue, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus, the son of the living God, is Lord over all creation. And on that day, Jesus, the Son of God, whom God has given the authority to judge the world, that is, all of the human race, he will stand in judgment. And he, by his very spoken word, as he himself said in John chapter 5, that on that day, he will call the people out of the graves. He, Jesus, will resurrect the dead and they will stand before him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> and they say, some to the resurrection of life because we believe and trust in him as the son of God and for the payment of our salvation. And to others, for the resurrection of condemnation, in other words, they will be judged and sentenced for eternity in a lake of fire for rejecting him. He is the only way to God the Father. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to God except through Jesus. All other ways lead to judgment. And so, Jesus is amazing. And no one is able to change this. This is set in stone in heaven. As the psalmist said, O Lord, your word is forever settled in heaven. That means it's a done deal. God's not changing his mind about this. It cannot be altered. So we're encouraging you, whoever you are, trust Jesus. Confess to the Lord that you've sinned against God and you recognize that you're a sinner. And then ask Jesus to forgive you and to come into your life and be the Lord of your life forever and surrender your life to him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen and amen. Give him some praise for he's worthy.